Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... God had given him the orders first. God had given him the opportunity first. He just didn't step out. And so this is a lesson to you and I, right? If you won't step out in faith to do what God's called you to do, don't get mad at someone else that does. Don't find yourself jealous over what you wouldn't do in obedience or faith when somebody else shows up and they jump in the game and there they go. Don't find yourself jealous. You might want to look at them and say, God, help me give me faith to be more like them. You might want to take an example from them. Don't get jealous because that's not going to take you anywhere. Have you ever felt threatened by someone more successful than you? Maybe it was a younger, tech-savvy colleague at work or someone in your church ministry who seemed to be making more of an impact for God. In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you to not be like King Saul. Saul had the same opportunities as David, but unlike David, Saul disobeyed God. So God's spirit left Saul and God started blessing David in everything he did. Be humble and learn from people whom God is using. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18. As he begins his message, character counts. All right, um, if you guys have your Bibles, I hope you do. Uh, we're going to be con- we're continuing our study in 1 Samuel, be in chapter 18. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening and thank you for this opportunity to gather. Uh, thank you for the time of worship and praise, Lord. Um, God, you're worthy of our honor, our, our worship, our praise, our adoration, our service. You're worthy of it all, Lord. And so, God, we, we look to you tonight as we turn our attention f- away from everything else for these next minutes and we turn our attention to your word. God, we pray that you would speak to us through it. Open up your word to us, Lord. Speak to us as only you can as we read through the living word of God tonight. Have your way as we look at 1 Samuel 18. God, many lessons in this chapter. Uh, God, you know every person here, where we are in our walk with you, and you know what we specifically need to hear tonight. God, I pray we each hear from you, your word, that you would speak to us directly. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 18, uh, I titled the message tonight, Character Counts. Um, and we, as we go through this chapter, uh, last week, if you guys remember, we had the, the David and Goliath, right? So that's, uh, that's one of the places in, in the, the book of 1 Samuel. It's a really important place. And so we looked at that great victory that David had uh, for Israel over Goliath. But as we come into this chapter, uh, now we're going to see a lot. T- today we'll go back to Saul. We, we had been on Saul and it was a bummer. Amen. When we got off of Saul and got on to David, it was like, yay, whoo. And so today we'll get a little bit of both. So uh, we're going to see some of some of David, some of Saul in the, the message tonight. But we're going to learn about the importance of our character as believers. Your character is it's who you are. Someone said character is who we are when no one's watching. Uh, they say the same thing about integrity. Uh, but that's really, you know, your character. If you think about it, everybody here knows people that you would say, that person's faithful, right? That's developed over time as you as you interact with a person, watch a person, you know, do do things with a person. You can you can come up with a character like that person's faithful. How many of you guys know someone that's always late? Raise your hand. Hopefully it's not you, right? That's character, right? In my family, we have people that we joke when they say uh, if if they say we'll be there at seven, 
in, in my house, everybody starts saying uh, 9.30, no, 10, no, and because that's, their, that's character. Um, we know that. Now, I know some people that are, that are always on time. And so if they say 7, it's 6.50, 6.45. They're going to be there at, at that time, you know. Um, that, those, are, those are character. Those are things that we develop over time. And so your character is who you are. It's how people perceive you. This is what I've discovered over time. I, I, I'll find that people with poor character want to be treated as though they have good character. Right. They want you to just like, well, just give me. No, I, I can't treat you like what you're not. Right. If you're honest and I got no reason to doubt you, then that's your character. You, I, I believe you always tell the truth. But everybody here knows a liar. How many times have you got to lie to become a liar? You just get one time. One time it's like, wow, that, that, that's you have a there's an issue there. So you might not be telling me the whole truth. You have that in your character. That's in your arsenal. Um, and so that's character. That's something that you begin to look at. So as we look at some other people, this is important. We're going to look at other people that are not us and their character, strong and weak. Uh, we want to be careful to also, you know, consider ourselves. God, what's my character like? And I would encourage everybody here. This is a, it's, it's dangerous, but it's helpful. Ask people close to you. If you really want to know, so you know what, we're, 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 we have Bible study tonight, and we're talking about our character, and the pastor said we should ask people close to us, uh, parents, siblings, people that live in a home with you, people that really know you, know you. You can't ask people at church, because we see you Sunday morning when you're like, hi, God bless you, hi. When, <laughs> somebody at home that see you before coffee, you know, after, you know, a long day, and uh, ask them, hey, what's, get, get, ask them about your character. Tell, ask them. What would you ask them to tell you what they can tell you that's positive and what they can tell you that needs some help um, and, and then receive it and don't be fighting over it. So, OK, let's look at it now. Look at first Samuel chapter 18, starting at verse one. It says now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. If you guys remember the end of the chapter last week, Saul had brought David in and was asked, he asked, who is this young man who just defeated Goliath? And they brought David in before Saul. We don't know all of what David said, um, but whatever he said in those moments, Jonathan was looking on. Jonathan is the son of Saul. Uh, we'll talk about it a little, in just a little bit. They have a lot in common. But Jonathan looked at David. He listened to David and he says his soul was knit. To David. Now, I'm going to prepare you because you got some wicked people in our world that have taken the relationship between Jonathan and David and they've made it this homosexual thing. Yeah. This is not some homosexual thing here. These are two stout men of God. These are warriors. These are worshipers. These are lovers of God. These are men that are bout it, bout it with the Lord. And God has brought them together. And, 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 they, and they have, there's a, there's, a, there's a great similarity. And so this love is not some perverted sort of thing. Uh, this is a, a love in the Lord. Uh, oftentimes among the brothers, we'll say, you know, hey, I love you in the Lord. Because some guys got to get used to that. You tell a brother, hey, man, I love you, man. They're like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> not that. Not like, not like that. You know, we love you in the Lord, man. And, 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 and guys need to know that in, we, we, we can do that in the Lord. There should be a, a, a genuineness about love and concern and care for someone else's walk. But Jonathan, um, whatever he heard in that little discourse um, he maybe maybe there was admiration. Jonathan's a little bit older than David, but they're similar in age. But whatever it was, when David got done talking to Saul, it said that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So, you know, the Bible, the New Testament says, love others. How? Like you love yourself. Well, this just happened like that. Jonathan said, man, I love this guy like I love myself. 
I want God's best for him. And we're going to see as, as thing goes on, that's fleshed out right now. We're told it, but it's going to be fleshed out in a little bit. And so I want to say a few things on that. These guys were close in age. Like I said, although Jonathan was a little bit older, some suggest maybe maybe about five years older. They both loved and trusted in the Lord. They had that in common. They were both brave men of action, right? We saw Jonathan uh, earlier when there was no action and his dad was sitting on his duff and the enemies were over the hill. Jonathan said, he got his arm bare. said, Man, let's go over there and see if maybe God would give us a victory. And, Dave, and Jonathan went over there and, and got him a victory, killed him up 20 guys and came back with a win. And his dad messed that all up. But that's the kind of guy Jonathan was. Obviously, David, the same kind of character. And so th- these guys were both brave men of action. And in a very healthy spiritual sense, they were risk takers. I, I want to I preface that right in a very spiritual, healthy sense. They were risk takers. It, it's, there's some people that are just risk takers, right? Gamblers. That's not what I'm talking about. These are guys that were willing to risk it all for the Lord. God, I'm, I might die, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a risk dying to see if maybe you want me to be the one to take the enemies over there. They were these are guys that I'll risk even my own life to accomplish something great for my God. So spiritually speaking, these were uh, in a healthy way. They were spiritual risk takers, which is a good thing. And um, and, and the Lord knit these guys together. And it's going to be so important as, as we go through all of David's life. It's going to be important for David that he's got Jonathan. And I think it's going to be important for Jonathan that he's got David because Jonathan didn't have a great dad, did he? No, he was a, he grew up in the palace. He was a king's kid, but his dad was not uh, dad was not really. You know, there was there wasn't a whole lot great. And we'll see that it gets worse and worse. Not a lot great about Saul. But David, Jonathan gets in David an example of of what his dad could should have been. He, he's going to see that. Wow, this is a real man of faith. I've talked about this many times how the, in the body of Christ, sometimes God will give us in the body what we didn't get in our families moms and dads and brothers and sisters and so forth and so on um, in the faith. My my hope, my prayer, and I feel like I just said this, I think it was Sunday. As I read through this again, I'm like, man, this God, you're bringing this up again. I really pray that God would give all of us uh, friends like this, somebody who loves God, who will love God with us and will venture out in faith with you. And um, some people will find this in, in actual friendships. Some of you are going to find this in marriage relations. Some people are going to be blessed to have both ways. You have friends in the faith and marriage in the faith. Um, and that's really the way to do marriage. Marriage is, is uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like with my wife, we have ventured out. I mean, we've been through, have we been through some stuff, babe? But hey, winning every battle, winning every war. She got her little gifts and skills. We, she got her commando. But she'd come out, and, she'd come out and, and, and go to battle, go to war when it's time to go to battle. But over the years, it's been many battles, many wars, many victories, Many successes, many things to the glory of God. It's been awesome. I also have friends. I got friends in the faith and I got a wife in the faith. And I, I really pray for all of us that you would seek out people in your life that that just love the Lord like that, that you guys could venture out, do great things for God together, take chances for the Lord together. Uh, I just think it's really sweet what the Lord has done here. Now let's move on to look at verse two. It says, Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. Um, so this day, Saul said, that's it. David, you're no longer going to be going back and forth. Um, you're going to stay here. If you guys remember, if you're a note taker, write down chapter 14, verse 52. If you guys remember back there, it says that um, whenever Saul found 
And there was a fierce war with the Philistines all the, all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him for himself. Um, why? I think Saul did that because he knew he didn't have that. You know, he was a buster. He was a, he was he was a scaredy cat. When he saw some a valiant break, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, put them on my team. You know, he was he was trying to build, he was trying to stack the the deck in his favor uh, when he didn't have. Um, and so you know, he did that. Look at verse three and four. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, this is a big deal. This is Jonathan essentially saying to David, I'm the prince, right? I'm the I'm the I'm the eldest son of the king. I'm the natural next in line guy to be king. But I recognize that it's going to be you. And I'm okay with that. Took off his robe, gave it to David. His armor, gave it to his his sword, gave it to David and said, look, you, 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 you the man, David. I, I, I see what God is doing here and I'm not resisting it at all. Um, and so we're talking about character. So I want to just say this about Jonathan. One, this is humility. And this is a guy that this is humility but also faith. He's saying, look, I recognize what God is doing. I'm not going to fight that. I don't want to be the guy so bad that I'm going to fight the guy that God is evidently raising up. I'm going to let that be. This is what God is doing right now. And that's in the body of Christ. That's be healthy if we could do that. If we could recognize when God is doing something, hey, God's raising this person up. God's doing this over here. We would just get behind what God is doing. You never want to get in front of what God is doing and try to stop it. Because you will get runt over, <laughs> not run over. You get runt over. So, um, so Jonathan here says, "Look, I, I acknowledge what's going on here," um, and he makes this covenant with David. Um, I thought this is interesting. One of the, the books I was reading was, you know, contrasting these two guys. Uh, Jonathan was the firstborn son of a king, next in line to be king. David was the lastborn son of a farmer. Right? These guys couldn't have been more different in in the sense of how they were raised and, and, and what the potential could be in their future. However, uh, this is proof that where we come from has no bearing on where God can take us. Amen. You got David, who's the youngest son of a farmer. I mean, he's nothing. And you got this guy who's a big deal, the, the, you know, the, the, the son of the king. And they come together and, and, and what God is going to do in David, God's going to elevate him. Doesn't matter where you came from. And some of us need to know that, right? Where we came from is irrelevant. It's, it's where, where are you at right now? All right, we're, now we're in Christ. We're his kids. We're his sons. We're his daughters. Uh, we belong to him, and that changes everything. And so that, that would be the case for David here. When it says that these guys made a covenant in the Hebrew, it meant to cut a covenant. That's the literally means cut a covenant. And it, it, it basically means they, they cut a beast or an animal in two. They pass between the two parts um, and it says, and wishing so to be cut in pieces if they ever, you know, in the same way this thing's going to be cut in pieces, so we too will be cut in pieces if we ever break this pact. So it's a, they literally made a covenant together and said, man, we're, this is for life. We're, we're in this. To, I'm going to be your bro. You're going to be my bro. We're going to be in this thing together for life. Covenants are important to God. This is Old Testament. God is a covenant God. Amen. He made a covenant with Israel. Um, they, they had some they, they had a part to play in the covenant. God had a part to play. When we say Old Testament, we're really saying old covenant. Right. When we say New Testament, there's a new covenant, a new way to relate to God. And God, you know, he makes a covenant with us. The New Testament, which is a better covenant than the old covenant, says that Jesus came and died once and for all. 
that all who would believe in him would be saved. That's the new covenant by faith. Now, by faith through grace that we're born again, right? No longer of the law. We don't keep, we don't sacrifice animals and so forth and so on. Um, any other New Testament covenants? New Testament covenants. Co- covenants in the New Testament that we're bound by. Marriage is a covenant. There's a, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is important, right? Covenants are not to be broken. Covenants are entered into. There's a seriousness about a covenant. In the same way here, they pass through this animal. They say, look, if I, if I violate this covenant, may I be chopped up in pieces like we're going to chop this thing up. Um, you know, in the New Testament, the covenant of marriage, God says, this is a covenant between man, a woman, and God. God establishes the covenant. He gives the terms of the covenant. And he gives the only way out of the covenant. And so most of you guys that are married, uh, when you got married, if they did it right, they say somewhere in the ceremony, they say till death, what? That means you don't get to leave until you die, right? <laughs> so and then y'all don't supposed to kill each other. So until death do its part, there's, you know, there's a couple other, you know, you know, ways that, you know, out of it or whatever, if, if that has to be the case. But in general, it's to be a covenant that we, and we honor this. This is between us and God and the other person, covenant. So God is a covenant God. These guys enter into a covenant. Um, and again, they don't have to do this. No one told them to do this. They 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 chose. They said, man, this is this is my bro. And I want to I want to I'm going to commit myself to this relationship. It was something that they did completely by choice of their own. Moving forward. Look at verse. um, Look at verse five. Now it says, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands, ten thousands. So let's back this up just a little bit. Uh, I, I don't want to skip. I got another character thing here for David. It says about David that he was accepted by all the people, that he was he behaved himself wisely. David's young and he's in a new position among new people. And but but God has given David a certain amount of wisdom, though he's young. He's behaving himself wisely. So the people are like, I like this guy. And he's being accepted by the people. And we'll see as we go through the chapter, he continues to be accepted by the people, accepted by the other men of war. He's being accepted everywhere he goes. They're accepting him. And so that's important. That's character, right? David's character is acceptable as he walks in wisdom. He's not a cocky little guy. He's not walking around with his chest poked out saying, you know, with a, with a Goliath tattoo on his right arm, reminding everybody what he did, you know, the other day. He's, he's behaving himself wisely and people are like, hey, I, I, I like this guy. You know, I, 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 I can appreciate him. Now, the women. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to make too much of this, right? But the women come out and this is, this is something they would typically do. When, when battle was over and they would come back, they would come out with tambourines and women would come singing. And that's how people would know we won. We got we were victorious. But they sang Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. I, I can't answer this question. I'm throwing it out to you guys. Do you think that they did this on purpose? This is going to drive Saul crazy. Um, this is going to draw out. I mean, just his it's going to make him jealous and angry. 
Do you guys think that the women did this on purpose? No, they, they, all the women said no. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they innocently, you know, we don't really know. So we, we'll, we'll go with that, right? We don't know why they did this. Hey, this is what I do know. It was true. It was true. Saul had slain his thousands and David had slain his ten thousands. And here's the problem. This is a character thing with Saul. If Saul was not satisfied having killed thousands, he should have been more valiant than he could have killed 10,000, right? He had the same opportunities that David had. He just didn't take them. So if you didn't take the opportunities that were given to you, and now you kill thousands and somebody else that just showed up have killed 10,000, whose fault is that? So he's mad at the women, and he's going to be mad at David. He's going to be jealous in his heart. But I just want to point out that whoever's, why ever the women did this, if it was intentionally to taunt him or whatever, one, what they saying was true, and it was his own fault. God had given him the orders first. God had given him the opportunity first. He just didn't step out. And so this is a lesson to you and I, right? If you won't step out in faith to do what God's called you to do, don't get mad at someone else that does. Don't find yourself jealous over what you wouldn't do in obedience or faith when somebody else shows up and they jump in the game and there they go. Don't find yourself jealous. You might want to look at them and say, God, help me give me faith to be more like them. You might want to take an example from them. Don't get jealous because that's not going to take you anywhere. Right. Amen. All right. Look at verse eight and nine it says, then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. I want you to notice how quickly things are changing. First, Saul couldn't go without that. I need him. I, I don't want to go home. I need, I need him to be here all the time now. Now he heard somebody sing a song praising him. And he's like, I'm, I got my eye on this guy. From that, from that point on, it says that uh, he got his eye on him. And this is what Saul is thinking. What more can he have but the kingdom? Let me give you an important lesson. And I, this, is, this will save you. It'll save you so much if you get this. Saul is looking at the kingdom as something that can, like, like as old man is in charge of it, right? That, that, that somehow Saul thinks somehow he can keep it by force because he's in the power positions, not how it works. Whose kingdom is it? And he gives it to who he wishes. He gives and he takes away. He's in charge. He's the Lord. He's sovereign over everything. If you can get this lesson in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind, as you operate in life, that if there's something God has for you, as you obey him and walk with him, no one can take it from you. If there is something that can be taken from you, then God no longer has it for you. One of my favorite verses uh, just in dealing with these things, it's uh, Proverbs 21, verse 1. Write this down in your notes, Proverbs 21, verse 1. And it says this, the, hearts of the, king, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. God said, look, the hearts of those that are in authority over you on the earth, their hearts are in my hands. And I turn them wherever I want. I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord over everybody. So you can always look above people's head right to the Lord. I don't have to ever step on somebody's neck to get something God's going to give me. I can, I can be humble. I can be a blessing. I can give opportunity to other people. You don't, you don't ever have to hold other people back in order to keep or maintain or get to unhealthy attitude 
When you realize that it all belongs to the Lord, the kingdom is God's kingdom. And so Saul doesn't understand this. And so he, he's going to he's going to he's going to ruin the rest of his life trying to keep something that God has already told him. I've taken it from you. And God told him I took it from you and gave it to someone better. David saw what Saul should have done and said, I bet it's David. You know what, bro? I'm going to just give it to you. I'm going to just agree with God. Maybe God will have mercy on me. Let me help you out and just give it to him. I done messed up. But that's not what he's going to do. He's going to spend a lot of energy and effort and time coming against the guy that God has said, this is my guy. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.